by Riverside. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Backside Ground Balls Pod. Trevor has been DFA'd for the first time in his career, so it's just me tonight. Um, Look, life happens. We've had a hectic couple weeks between the two of us. Uh, Obviously, you haven't heard from us since after Game 2 of the World Series. And then, personally, I had the opportunity to go see my beloved dogs, down in Athens, Georgia last weekend. Um, I couldn't pass up the opportunity. Um, Had a long week of work, hopped on a flight Friday night, was in Athens all day Saturday, got to see college game day in person, got to be in Sanford Stadium to see number one Tennessee and number three Georgia. Obviously, the dogs proved they're the best team in the country. That was an amazing experience. Was on an early flight Sunday morning and back in North Carolina Trev has had some things going on that he's had to deal with, so he's not with us, but he will be back next week. But we felt we needed to get an episode out. Since the World Series is over, we have a champion, and we are now headed into the offseason. Astros beat the Phillies in six games. Luckily for me, being down in Georgia, riding the high of them, dismantling the volunteers from Tennessee, it uh, kind of eased the pain of the Phillies losing. It gave me a little bit of a distraction. Um, But let's be honest, right? The Houston Astros were the best team from April through September and through the playoffs. They'd come into the World Series 7-0. They hadn't dropped a game yet. Um, And we knew it was going to be a good series. And after two games, it was split 1-1, heading back to Philly for three. Um, The Phillies jump out. And set tie a World Series record with five home runs in Game Three. The crowd is rocking. The bank is electric, like it had been all postseason. Um, the Astros got stunned. Right, seven nothing. Now they were down two one, and it was kind of like, okay, what's what are you going to do? How are the Astros going to respond? It was the first time we had really seen them push to the brink um, all year. Really, they had stayed relatively healthy. They had been the best team um, from start to finish. So this was kind of the first time we saw what the Astros were going to be made of. And boy, did they respond in game four in Philly, Christian Javier and company troll the second World Series no hitter in baseball history, third no hitter in postseason history of all time. Um, and that swung the series that did because uh, it kind of showed the the Phillies flaws there when, you know, the Astros had the arms to silence this offense that had bashed their way to, you know, the wild card win and then the, the NL the DS win over the Braves and the CS win over the Padres. And the Astros right there kind of put their foot down in, in a spot where their season was almost on the brink. Because if they had gone down 3-1 with another game in Philly, um, it would have swung all the momentum. And Philly would have had all the, the confidence in the world. And what the Astros were able to do with Javier, who was just brilliant. And the way he goes about doing it, where he's a high-spin fastball guy with a really good slider. And he just attacks. And that's what he did all throughout the postseason. You saw him do it in Yankee Stadium in the CS, and then you saw him do it in the World Series where it was here comes fastballs over the plate, and I just trust that my stuff is better than yours. And it it was true. And then they handed over to the ridiculous bullpen. They finished it out. And then in game four, uh, four or sorry, game five, the Astros win a really tight one. 
Um, they hang on and win that game 3-2. Chaz McCormick makes a ridiculous catch. Uh, Verlander throws a really good five, sharp five innings and, and gets his first World Series win. And that was kind of it. When they took the 3-2 lead to to go back to Houston um, and have to win one of two, I know they had been beaten in that situation previously and they had lost in game six at home in Houston last year. But you kind of felt like this was different. They had been the best team throughout the postseason. They had kind of shown in the World Series now that they were the best team. And going back with Fran Valdez, who I personally think is the best pitcher on that staff, um, it kind of felt inevitable. It kind of felt like that, that was it for the Phillies. It was going to be really tough to beat the Astros twice. And look, um, game six on Saturday. So I was down in Athens. And after the game, it was a 3.30. The Georgia game was a 3.30 game. Then obviously got done and got uh, the chance to watch this game six of the World Series. And what a game. I mean, when you look at it, it was it was Framber versus Zach Wheeler. Both guys were locked in, in in the biggest spot of the season. Wheeler came out and was 99, um, was electric and had his best stuff and was quieting an Astros offense who had really started to kind of put pressure on the Phillies. And then Framber on the other side was repeating what he had done in game two. Uh, the Phillies didn't really change their approach at all in this series, which it's hard to fault them for not doing so. But when you watch Framber Valdez pitch and you watch him effectively spin that breaking ball and then still have a 96 mile an hour sinker in the tank and be able to surprise people, it's really, it's so easy to sit there and say, well, you just got to have an approach, spin on the curveball, spin on the curveball. But when you have a curveball as good as his, to be able to just stand up there and say, I'm not swinging at it is really hard because it's so late and so sharp. It looks like that fastball and you still have to respect a 96 mile an hour sinker that he can dot whenever he wants and picks and chooses. And he's just so impressive to me because he never, he's always in control. His tempo never changes. He's got the same tempo, no matter the situation, no matter the game. And he did what the Astros needed him to do. He was brilliant in that game. The Phillies finally get to him in the sixth. Schwarber finally gets one. And boy, would he, we'll get to the Phillies a little bit more in, in a couple minutes here. But Schwarber, just what he had been to the Phillies, he means so much. And he had a huge swing and put him up one nothing. And you kind of felt like, okay, here we go. Maybe they'll get this because Wheeler had been dominant. Um, and then it, it unraveled on the Phillies in the bottom half of the sixth. The Astros did what they had done all postseason. And they just clutched up when they needed to. You know, it was kind of a quirky inning where Wheeler hits Maldonado to start it. Was he on the plate? Did he lean into it? Doesn't matter at this point, right? He, he clips Maldonado with a fastball on the elbow. Um, the, the Astros had proven all postseason in game one of the World Series that if they needed a base runner, they had guys at the bottom of that order who would lean into pitches and um, who would get on top of the plate and do whatever it took to get on. That's what Maldonado did. Hats off to him. Um, we later found out he had been playing hurt. That's why his bat, I, I don't think he's a great hitter anyway, but he had really done nothing offensively in the postseason. So, hey, you, you you find yourself down one with a chance to to win in game six. Why not get on the plate and get hit by a pitch? That's what happens. Wheeler comes back and gets Altuve, but then uh, uh, and gets him to bounce into a fielder's choice. Most good teams probably would have turned two. Bomb kind of plays the in-betweener instead of coming to get it. So Altuve legs it out. Pena kind of hits a ground ball up the middle, and, and Rob Thompson is faced with probably the hardest decision of the year. Jordan Alvarez is coming to the plate. Zach Wheeler, who had been you know feeling some fatigue in his prior start in the World Series, obviously he had been super sharp in game six, was looking terrific. Um, 
but now you have first and third, you're holding a one run lead in, in an elimination game. What do you do? And he did what he, and credit to him for doing what he had done all postseason. He goes to Alvarado. It didn't work out, right? We see Jordan Alvarez blast a 450 foot home run. And, you know, that's such a tough situation for Rob Thompson there because just like Kevin Cash a couple of years ago with Blake Snell, you sit there and you go, well, what do I do here? I've gotten to this point by managing super aggressive and going to these guys I trust in the bullpen. And, or do I, do I let Wheeler go and see if he can limit this damage here and maybe only give up the tying run, but you're an elimination game. This is it. You kind of, that felt like the inning that felt like the game right there. Um, your offense hadn't done anything since the five home run barrage in game three. So I get it. I understand it. And of course, everyone's Monday morning quarterbacking it saying he should have never taken Wheeler out. And sure. I maybe felt that way in the moment. Um, just because Alvarado had had given up every inherited runner he had had so far in the World Series. And this was the fourth time he was facing that pocket in the Astros lineup of Alvarez, Bregman, and, and Tucker. And, and the last time, obviously, um, in in game in game four, when they were getting no hit, he came in and it blew up in their face and he had given up three. So it was just such a tough decision, and, and the Astros ended up getting four runs, and that's all she wrote. Right? The Phillies couldn't muster anything against that fantastic bullpen. And, and don't get me wrong here. The better team won the World Series. I think it's very safe to say that. The Astros, with that bullpen and the weapons they have on the mound, because I don't think that lineup's that good. That lineup will put pressure on you, but after really sitting down and watching them for six consecutive games like that, that lineup definitely had holes in it, especially when you got to the sixth guy in the order. Six through nine wasn't scary, and really the only way they were effective was a, a single or um, you know getting hit by pitch or, or finding a way to get on. Outside of that, they weren't scary. They weren't going to they weren't going to do anything from a power standpoint. They couldn't flip the game with one swing of the bat, but they have a formidable top five guys in that that order, and really. Um, Kyle Tucker's great and Alvarez is great and Bregman's great, but Altuve, Altuve kind of didn't have a great postseason. I don't think he's been as, you know, quite the same player since 2018, um, which is interesting to look at. And he's obviously had some big moments, but you know, the Astros did this built on pitching. And, it, and usually when you get down to this postseason series, it's the team who has the bullpen who can put up zeros and the starters who can keep them in games. And then you got to find a swing here or there. And that's what the Astros did. I mean, when you look at Verlander's two starts, obviously in, in game one, he blew the 5 nothing lead um, and he was dealing with the World Series demons. But he came back and in game five, he was outstanding. He worked in and out of trouble. And sometimes that's all it takes. He gave up. There were plenty of opportunities in that game five for the Phillies to cash in on him. And he just kept his foot on their throat and, and made the pitches when he had to. You know, when you're when the rallies are happening with two outs, it's not as dangerous as when it happens with zero or one out. And he did a really good job of pitching out of those. And then the other two guys in Valdez, who wins two games for him, and Javier, who wins the other one, I think they're two of the best pitchers in baseball right now. And when you look at their stuff and how they pitch, and to me, it's it's coupling, you know, each guy has one elite pitch. Javier with the fastball, Valdez with the breaker. Their other stuff is probably around league average. But what they do to me that's special is they, they're relentless in the strike zone. They don't let you breathe. And when you're constantly attacking and in the strike zone with your best pitch, it causes guys to chase. 
And you see it with Valdez when he's just, when he can show you that he's going to throw the curveball for a strike and he's constantly throwing strikes with his fastball, all of a sudden you start chasing the other stuff. And with Javier, he just throws a bunch of FU fastballs, right? He, he, he's, it's very Lance Lynn of 2021 when you watch Javier. And he's gotten to this point where he's so confident in it. And the Astros have done such a good job developing him to where he just throws that fastball in the zone and it's relentless. And he does not care. He's going to throw it up. He splits the plate in half most of the time. When you watch him pitch, he's throwing a lot of fastballs that are splitting the plate against really good big league hitters. But it is so deceptive with his mechanics and you watch his arm swing and, and how the ball comes out. And with that ride that he gets on it, that it's effective. It's extremely effective. It's elite. And, and you know, then you turn it over to that bullpen and how they rode that bullpen all postseason. Um there were some questionable moments, I thought, with Dusty Baker when he was going to which guys. But when you have that many, it, it almost doesn't matter. And that's kind of how it played out in this series. Whether it was Hector Neris or Montero or Stanek or Presley in the back end or Brian Abreu who was coming in early. Every single one of those guys has one pitch that's better than almost everybody else's in baseball. And when you can do that... It just puts so much more pressure and gives your starters an advantage because now offenses go into it. And you could kind of tell with the Phillies, they were starting to press. They they couldn't when they couldn't break through early on when they weren't scoring early in those games after game three. You they felt it because they knew once the bullpen came into the game, it was their chances were going to be few and far between. And really, that's what swung the series. And and the Astros just they're a machine. I mean, they're going to continue to win 100-plus games, and this isn't going to slow down anytime soon. I can't imagine it will, barring some, you know, if they get bit by the injury bug a year or two here and there, that'll slow them down. But the way they draft, the way they develop, the way they coach their guys, the way they trust the plans and trust their guys to execute with what they have, you know, they let them be the best version of themselves. And so many times in Major League Baseball, I feel like teams are chasing trends. And what's the next big thing that we don't let guys be their best version? And the Astros don't do that. Christian Javier, you have a great fastball, throw it 70% of the time. For Amber Valdez, you have an elite curveball, throw it 65% of the time. That's how you're going to win. Lance McCullers, it burned him in the World Series because the Phillies had faced him a couple weeks ago and they knew he wasn't going to throw fastballs to lefties. But, hey, he's a really good pitcher, and that's what he does most of the time is he barely throws his fastball. That's who he is. That's the best version of himself is to spin and the Astros let him do it. They don't try and keyhole him. They don't try and, 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 you know, do the pirate Charlie Morton and make him throw sinkers, right? No, they, and that's why Morton started to have success when he went to Houston. They've been doing it for years now. This isn't new. This isn't some new thing. And, and I know a lot of Philadelphia fans are upset and they're allowed to be, and they're not happy because the Astros are a scummy organization. I said it. I still think they are. They, they're arrogant. They're scummy. They're unlikable. But all that being said, they were the best team. They won the World Series deservingly so. Unless some new cheating scandal comes out, which I don't think it will, so don't hold your breath. They're the best team, and they won the World Series, and they deserve to win the World Series. And so, you know, where they go from here is I think they continue to be one of the best teams, and they continue to put themselves back in the postseason and be making these deep postseason runs. And to me, that's the most impressive thing. I think I've mentioned it before on here is how hard it is to play this deep into November. And then look, in three months, you're going to have to turn it around and head to spring training. 
but with the factory that they are with, with being able to replace guys and, and how many young guys they'll have that'll come up the Chaz McCormick's of the world who are D two center fielders who are making huge plays in the world series. They've probably got three or four more of those guys in their system, right? Which international signings are they going to have next year to inject some life into them when they need to, when some of these guys who made this run get banged up or are fatigued just from having played this many games this year. And I fully expect that they'll be able to reload and be right back, you know, and I know a lot of people like to throw the dynasty word around. And sure, I think you could call it that. All I know is this regime and this, you know, product that the Astros are and the, or, the way that organization is one right now, it's 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 got longevity because of how they're doing it. They're not just hitting on free agents. They're not hitting on trades. They're not having to, you know, open up their wallets and pay to be to contend, which is which is risky and it's risky at every level. They don't do it that way. They draft well, they develop well, and then the moves, it allows them to make moves on the margin in free agency at the trade deadline. Guys like Trey Mancini made a game-saving play at first base in game five. And those little things, Christian Vasquez, who ended up being a defensive stalwart, a guy that could spell Maldonado when needed, didn't bring a lot offensively, but he handled Christian Javier terrifically. Those guys didn't give up a run all postseason when they were the battery. Those moves, when you can draft and develop, those are the moves you make to put yourself back into contention. And and hats off to them. They, they deserved it. Um, the one thing I didn't appreciate at the end of game six in the eighth inning when the outcome felt inevitable, when you knew that this was it, the Astros were just collecting the last outs before they could celebrate, Ken Rosenthal gets on the mic. We send it down to Ken. And I respect Ken. I really like him. And he does a great job reporting all year on The Athletic. I think it's... Ridiculous that MLB Network let him go for criticizing the commissioner. Um, he should be allowed. He's a guy who I think, if anyone, he should be allowed to criticize the commissioner. But that's my bonus is to pick with him right now. He comes on in the eighth inning and he starts going on a diatribe about how this team has vindicated the 2017 team. After everything they've gone through, all the the booing in different stadiums and the the hate from media and the fans, this team, you should be happy for this team to finally vindicate it and win a World Series. I couldn't disagree more. What a joke. What an absolute joke. I said this after game two when we recorded, and I'll say it again. I don't have to move on from the Astros cheating. No baseball fan should have to move on from the Astros cheating. They cheated the game in an egregious way. And everyone else who wants to say, oh, they weren't the only, if you think they were the only team doing it, you're you're a fool. Oh, no one else got caught to this level that the Astros did. This ran deep and the Astros got caught. So I don't, I don't think any fan or anyone should have to move on from that. It's ridiculous to sit there and have to be told that I should feel happy for an organization who cheated the game and cheated the fans and cheated the Dodgers and cheated the other teams they beat in the postseason. I don't. This is a different team. Good for them. This team did it the right way. This team's really good. And I just got done spending 20 minutes talking about what a great organization they are and how I think they'll continue to have success and continue to be right back in these spots. But that doesn't mean that I have to respect them or like them, or feel good for the guys who were on that 17 team and now won it. Because Alex Bregman was the beneficiary of knowing what pitch was coming. Jose Altuve was the beneficiary of knowing what pitch was coming. Yuli Gurriel, who hasn't had a season even close 
to his 2017 numbers. I don't have to feel happy for him. He cheated. He was a beneficiary of cheating. You know, we, 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 won't, we won't let Barry Bonds into the Hall of Fame. We won't even let him, you know, we, we act like he doesn't even exist, Major League Baseball. We act like Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa should never step, Roger Clemens shouldn't step foot near the Hall of Fame. But I'm supposed to feel good for these guys? If you want me to feel happy for the Astros and let them into, you know, and, and think that they're vindicated from cheating and winning a World Series by sign stealing, then let Barry Bonds into the Hall of Fame for using steroids. If everyone else, if it's not a big deal because everyone else was stealing signs and, and finding ways to do it, then it wasn't a big deal that Barry Bonds was doing steroids because everyone else at that time was doing them as well. How can we be so two-sided about this? And for Kevin Rosenthal, to, like, just what a bad moment to do it. If you want to write in the column that you believe that, but in the middle of game six, when you're getting ready to do this, to get on TV. And, and this is what drives me nuts. We've ta- Trevor and I have talked about this time and time again on here about what baseball's biggest problem is their marketing. I, I can't imagine an NFL announcer in the fourth quarter, in the waning minutes of a Super Bowl that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick were, were getting ready to win, them talking about how they're vindicated for Spygate. I couldn't imagine. The NFL would never let it happen. That announcer would be fired. Because it's something that you shouldn't talk about at this point. And if they had been punished properly, which they weren't, if the league had stepped up and done the right thing and suspended guys and taken away the title, just like we took Reggie Bush's Heisman Trophy away, then then maybe there's some vindication here. But there's not. You didn't punish them. And that's what makes so many fan bases so upset and and not fans of this organization and, and will never give the Astros credit. And I understand those people who feel that way. I get it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to go as far to not give this organization in this version, the 2022 Astros, any credit because, again, I don't think they're cheating. So they deserve the credit. But if, if you're a fan and you don't want to give them credit ever, I get it because the league never stepped up and did what you would expect. How are you supposed to be a baseball fan and when, and when your commissioner is saying it's a piece of metal? Talk about the World Series trophy. Kidding me? And for Ken Rosenthal, who, I, again, I respect so much to sit there and say that. It's wrong. And I didn't appreciate that. But, you know, that's how it goes. Uh, the Astros are world champions, and, and they beat the Phillies in six. Um, and now, you know, the from the Phillies standpoint, what a run. Right. If you're a Phillies fan out there, you just got to enjoy what this team did. They won 87 games. They broke the postseason drought. And and a lot of the fans, including myself, said, that's great. Just get in. Who cares what happens? Just get in and break that streak. Finally get there. You've spent so much money. You finally go over the luxury tax this year. Just get into the postseason. And they did that. And then not only did did they do that, but then they gave their fan bases a month worth of just unbelievable memories and unbelievable moments at Citizens Bank Park in front of their fans, knocking off a division rival and the defending world champions, Reese Hoskins with the bat spike. Um, and then they, a Padres team who looked like they were kind of had some of that magic. The Phillies put their foot down. They, they win one in San Diego and then win three. The moments that they gave in, in that postseason, that's what Phillies, Phillies fans shouldn't be upset that they lost this World Series. They really had no business being in this World Series. So for them to go on this run and push the Astros to six 
what a hat tip to Rob Thompson and Dave Dombrowski and the guys in that clubhouse who, I mean, really overcame a lot with Harper going down in June and a coaching change and, and being eight games under 500 to turn this thing around and play almost 30 games over 500 baseball since Rob Thompson took over is incredible. And, and what a run, what a ride. Um, the moments, I mean, to, they, they hit home runs with some of their signings. Kyle Schwarber, who's just really become the heartbeat, you know, and, and everyone thinks of Bryce Harper. He's the MVP. He's a superstar. He's arguably the best player in the game. You would think that he's the leader, but that's not Bryce's personality. I don't think Bryce is necessarily a vocal leader. He's a watch how I work and, and, and do what I do, and he's one of the guys. You know, I think that's where Bryce feels most comfortable is just being another one of the guys and fitting in. Whereas Schwarber is the leader. Schwarber is, has a personality of, of being a leader and um, being vocal and taking young guys under his wing. And he's done a great job of that. And you saw the progression of Alec Baum and the Bryson Stotts and the contributions from guys like Nick Maton and those young guys who stepped up and Brandon Marsh when he came over in, in, at the deadline from the Angels. And I think Schwarber is, you know, deserves a lot of credit for that. And he's he's been unbelievable. So what a great signing. And, and I think if I could make a prediction here, Nick Castellanos, I think, has a, looks a lot more like Nick Castellanos um, next year uh, in the second year of this big deal that he signed. I know it wasn't what fans were expecting, but he was great in the postseason from a teammate in defensive, which is crazy to say, but he was fantastic defensively in right field in this postseason. And I think he really, you finally saw him become comfortable. He really, for the first time, enjoyed being a Philly on this postseason run. And I think that's the biggest thing for the Phillies here is they kind of have to strike going into this offseason while the iron's hot, right? You saw Castellanos get comfortable and enjoy being a Philly. I think that's going to play huge leading into next year. I think the experience that guys like Brandon Marsh, Alec Baum, and Bryson Stott and Ranger Suarez especially got in this postseason is going to be huge for them moving forward. And there's no reason that they don't push for a division crown and, and should be a playoff team again next year. You know, I think they have some interesting moves to make. They have some holes to fill, which we can get into as we get deeper into this. Free agency starts on Friday. Um, I'm recording this Tuesday night. So I think, you know, as that moves forward, there's definitely some holes for the Phillies to fill. But man, what, what a ride. And I think this year was a resounding success for that that um, ownership group and Rob Thompson in his first year as a manager. Now he gets a full season. You know, this is his team from from spring training on. And, you know, they gave him the contract extension at the beginning of the postseason, deservingly so. And, and you know, it's it's his time now. He deserves it. And, and I think it's a really exciting time to be a Phillies fan again. And that division is just going to continue to be so good because – the Braves aren't going anywhere, as we know. They've locked up all their guys. The Mets, Steve Cohen's going to be a very angry billionaire this offseason, and he's already given 102 mil to Edwin Diaz, which I'll wait for Trevor to get his thoughts on that. Um, and he's not going to stop there. And that division is going to be exciting because it's going to be three really good teams. Obviously, I don't think the Nationals are going to be close to competing next year. But the Marlins are in an interesting spot too. So that division is going to be a blast. Um, and the NL is going to be – what a race because the teams out West aren't going anywhere. I think the teams in the central get better. Um, so it's going to be a fun off season and we're going to be here to cover it all. Um, obviously, there's, you know, it's going to be the shortstop market. Those guys are going to set the market. Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, Carlos Correa. Where are they going to land? Which teams are going to make the plunge for them? Expect the Mets, the Yankees, the Phillies, 
those big market teams, the Cubs, the Dodgers, all of those teams to be in on all those guys. Um, and there's some some high ticket pitchers, right? Verlander's now a free agent. Where does he go into his year 40 season? Doesn't look like he's slowing down. If you look at his regular season numbers, Carlos Rodon opts out of his contract. He's going to be a big ticket. So we're going to try and cover it as much as we can. We probably won't be on here as much as as we have been um, here in the second half of the season throughout the postseason. Um, as Trevor and I both try and continue to figure out life in North Carolina. Um, we'll be excited to share all that with you guys. We're going to do some fun stuff throughout the offseason. We'll probably uh, do a lot more college football talk than everyone would expect as we uh, wind down the college football season. Both of us are huge fans, and what a great year. Astros are your World Series champs. The Phillies had a great ride. Uh, so many moments and memories. We'll have postseason awards to look forward to here. And like I said, free agency starts on Friday. And then, and my hope is that um, because of what the Phillies did by showing that you can win by spending a lot of money in free agency, that things, when it opens up on Friday, things really roll. Because there's nothing worse than a long, drawn-out Major League Baseball offseason where no moves are being made. And guys are waiting until spring training to sign. I hope guys are, are almost all signed up by the holidays because that makes it more fun when there's a frenzy. And uh, the NFL and the NBA do it best. Uh, but hopefully baseball can get in on that. And the Phillies have shown that opening up the the wallet and signing the checks and going over the, the, the tax threshold is uh, can, can prove to be a winner because it sure did for the Phillies this year. And, and let me tell you something. I think uh, knowing this fan base and knowing this ownership – the Phillies are going to be big players for some some big guys. So uh, it should be continue to be fun, and, and we'll be excited to uh, continue to to keep you guys updated on what's going on with us and what's going on with the baseball world. Hopefully we can get some guests in this offseason and uh, have some fun. So uh, until next week, thank you for tuning in. This was my first solo ep. I hope it wasn't too boring. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, remember to download, rate, like, subscribe, share with friends. We enjoy doing this. I know both of us have a blast when we get to get on here and talk. Um, A lot of weeks, it's the only time me and Trevor get to hang out. So um, we'll keep coming back and we just hope that you guys will spread spread the pod around and and get other people interested in the show. Um, Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week.